Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. I'm, I'm laughing um, because I, it just occurred to me, Tebow, I was watching video of people show off the candy that you used to sell on a subscription service. Um, That's excellent. Yeah, you know about that. You're well, very well informed. I went back and I started looking on YouTube and it just occurred to me that I saw these people with French accents talking about what they got in the mail. Was it just a French only system that you were doing? Um, well, you know, it's it's a, actually a pretty long and fun story, but basically my partner, uh, Noemi, who is now my spouse and, and the co-founder of Loomly, we were traveling around the world. And so we were buying candy, selling them uh, over a subscription. And, and the first version of that e-commerce store where we were actually selling all over the world. And then when we wrapped up our round the world trip and went back to France, where we are from, uh, then that's when we started focusing on the French market. All right. I want to ask you about that. It was called, is it Candy Discovery? Like Candy yeah. Discovery? All right. Yeah. That was that was like the fun first business. After that, yeah. um, Thibaut started creating a few other companies. And the one that I wanted to spend the most time talking about is a company called Loomly because what he discovered doing social media and other marketing for his clients was it's a pain in the neck. And anyone, frankly, even if you're doing it for yourself, you understand what we're talking about. First, you have to think through when am I going to publish what? So maybe you have like a spreadsheet with what, what you're going to publish and your team knows it. And then somebody has to go and design the post. And so you pull out some software and you go and create the post there. Then, of course, you want to make sure that you get it approved. So you send it over via Slack and you say, is this okay or whatever? And then you get the approval. Then you want to publish. And then you need to go back and make sure you respond to comments and all that stuff and so much more. He says, you know what? It's a lot of work. What if we just create one software that does all of it? We're not going to do every piece of marketing, but our software will just handle this whole flow that I just described. And basically, that's what Loomly is. So Tebow is the founder of the company, Tebow Clement. I invited him here to talk about uh, the candy business that he had. I want to find out how he ended up uh, coming up with the idea for Loomly, how he built it up, and how can he freaking work with his wife all day? You guys still in love? Of course. Yeah. More than ever. And she's, she's the best for bearing with me. <laughs> All right. We can do it. Thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first, if you want to start your business, you need a website, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy to get it. And the second, if you're in content at all, you should know that you don't just have to try to get money from advertising. You could also sell directly to your audience. And if you use Memberful, they will make it easy for you to do it and to own your relationship with your customers. I'll tell you later why you should go to memberful.com slash Mixergy. Tebow, revenue, how much? What are you guys up to? Well, it's 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 going fast. Uh, you know, in in May we actually passed the seven million dollar uh, revenue mark in terms of ARR, and we you know we hope to be uh, around eight by the month of July. So it's, it's growing fast. Wow, this is really growing fast. You grew over COVID. Yeah, in a, in a way, yeah. So you know, but at some point there was uh, some uncertainty in the digital marketing business, where you know everyone was talking about, hey, let's uh, just uh, pull back on the budget and everything. But then that, that was probably just a month, you know, probably from middle of March to middle of April last year. And then, then you know, everyone started shifting online, and so that's when you know, like we started having a lot of of additional interest because on the one hand there were smaller businesses who you know were for the first time were kind of going from offline to online and so once they had set up their store uh, well the next thing that they needed was to communicate on social media so there was a lot of interest for what we were doing and then on the other end of the spectrum the larger customers in the, the larger companies and teams they were used to working in an office and mm -hmm. maybe 
everything you just explained about how do we find ideas for what we're going to post and how do we create a content and stuff, they were doing it in a meeting room. And all of a sudden, there is no meeting room. There is just the living room. And so, you know, that's basically how they needed, why they needed to have like a workflow, sorry, that works remotely. And so Loomly was perfect for that. All right, let's take it step by step and see how we got here. You and Noemi, yep. the two of you were dating and you decided just going to traipse around the world? Uh, well, so yeah, we met uh, back in Paris when we were uh, working both, both of, the both of us for L'Oreal. Uh, mm. And then, you know, we moved to Canada for a year where I was uh, going for my MBA. Uh, that's when I heard uh, about you for the first time. And, um, you know, then after that, uh, we decided to go around the world for a year and to learn about e-commerce and just, you know, get ideas about what crazy and cool things uh, entrepreneurs around the world were doing. And yeah, that's how we started our first. Did you get uh, to do that? Business. We're talking about roughly 2011, 2012, right? That's when you did this chore. Did you actually go into different startups offices? Did you get to see things differently than you would if you just spent time on the couch looking on the internet? Oh yeah. What'd yeah. That was, that was insane. So for a year, the way we had structured the trip was we were not really backpacking. What we wanted to do was we wanted to spend time in the places that we were visiting. So we basically broke down the year into 12 segments of one month, and we were spending one month in each city. So we went to uh, China, South Korea, um, you know, Hong Kong, uh, Thailand, and and you know Australia and the U.S. of course, uh, and 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 then South America, and it was just amazing. And yes, we met entrepreneurs uh, everywhere we went. Um, you know, I was basically publishing articles for a French magazine called L'Express, which is kind of like the French, uh, the Economist. And so, uh, you know, that that just opened many doors and allowed me to uh, see, you know, how you could be doing uh, e-commerce in China or how you would be, uh, you know- what Because kind of- you're a reporter, you could go into a Chinese e-commerce company and say, teach me so that I can write about you? <laughs> exactly. Wow. Yeah. And they would, do, would they have a translator into, I guess, what, English? Well, English was, you know, always, you know, the, the common language. Also, you know, as you can tell from my accent, I'm French. And so, you know, there is like kind of like the, the French mafia out around the world. So it also opens doors for you. And all of that is really, you so know, what did you really learn? helping. I was around, I was doing podcasting back then. What did you learn by being on the ground that I didn't know? Um, probably the fact that we should actually start our own business if we wanted to really learn something. And so uh-huh. that's that's how that's true. and why we started the ah, candy so you business. you said, we're going to tra- travel the world. We'll have fun together, right? We'll explore the world. We'll learn. Yep. But then you realize, you know what the best way to learn is to actually create. So you start creating the company. And the idea, I think, was kind of bubbling at the time. People were kind of into this Japanese candy and so on. And as you were traveling around the world, you said, I see some interesting place, some interesting candy in South Korea, et cetera. That was your idea. As long as we're traveling, we're going to sell it. Exactly. Yes. And, and the idea was, you know, we're going to learn so much from the people that we are going to meet. So probably one of the best way to kind of, you know, uh, translate that into actionable, uh, insights and, and, ah. and results is to actually apply it. And so, because we were learning about SEO and social media. Got and it. We so were, it's not enough to sit down in someone's office and have them say, look, SEO is really big, but yeah. you want to be able to say, I've got this candy business. Show me how I could do this. Exactly. What could, I, what could I be doing differently? Got it. So the candy was going to be personally bought by you and Noemi in these different stores. It was okay. Yeah. You were personally going to ship it from wherever you yeah. were in the world to all over the world. 
Yeah, exactly. That's a little and, mental. Okay, wasn't it? it? It is. It is. And and what you have to understand is we we bootstrapped this uh, this you know venture completely because we were you know just travelers and we were just going out of of of, of the university, so we just had literally no money. So I like to joke and say that we started this business with minus two hundred dollars on our bank accounts because basically the way we bootstrapped it is. We were taking pre-orders, and then with the money of the pre-orders, we were buying the candy that then yeah. we would be shipping a few weeks later. So that's how we started it. Shipping must have cost you a ton. Yeah, it was built into the price. Uh, okay. And that's one of the reasons why when we came back to France, we actually started focusing on uh, shipping you know, from France to France and working with people who would be importing the candy for us. Uh, that was just a much more scalable and, and sustainable uh, business I don't model. be spending too much time on this idea, but it's it, it's kind of a fun idea. What did how did you get customers back then? Uh, essentially, social media. You know, our Facebook page at the time and and Facebook ads. Blog post. Did you reach out the bloggers? They were kind of yeah, covering so we this were, stuff. Yeah, we we're doing all of that. We ended up on French national TV, so that helped a lot, and and these kind of things because it, it was you know a fun project. So it was it was you know kind of catching attention. I know that it was about learning, but how much revenue were you able to produce with this? It, it wasn't much. Uh, you know, it was like almost was it like 10 years ago? Yeah, it was, it was a long mm-hmm. time ago. Uh, I think that, you know, the, the main and cool thing that happened is that 18 months after starting it, we ended up selling it. It was definitely not the exit of the year. But what is interesting is that because there were so many people who saw us on TV and in magazines and stuff like that, then they started, they started reaching out to us and said, hey, can you help me do the same? And that's basically how we started our advertising agency which in turn led to creating Lonely. So everything is kind of connected. I get that. I don't want to harp too much on this because I know it was just a fun project to learn, but are we talking about, were you able to get it to what, 5,000 a month in sales? Oh yeah, yeah. You more, more. than that. Yeah, yeah. 20? Probably something like that, yes. Okay, that gives me a, a sense of the ballpark. And then did you sell it for more than 100? 100K? No, no, under that. It was, okay. again, like very small exit. It was just right. you know fun project. We bootstrapped and sold it. It was fun. The one thing that I noticed was that I think could have been improved was the packaging. And I imagine that's because yeah. you were shipping internationally, right? Yeah, exactly. The first, the first, uh, the first version, yes, we had to ship internationally. So it was basically envelopes and stuff like that. And then we kind of refined it over time, yeah. especially again in the second phase when we were in France, where it was just easier to kind of uh, industrialize everything. All right. And so then companies are asking you to do this for them. L'Oreal is one of those companies. And now I understand why the L'Oreal connection, because you worked for them. People there were watching what you were doing. Then they said, can you do it for us? What did L'Oreal need for you to do, need you to do for them? Well, it was, it was a long time ago. So, you know, it was like, digital marketing was still kind of nascent and, and, and not everyone was as mature as they are today. And so, you know, it's actually Noemi who started doing social media for five brands for, uh, you know, for L'Oreal. And so that's basically how it started. What was social media then? Twitter? And then can yeah. you post on Facebook pages Facebook, for them? Facebook and Twitter and a little bit of LinkedIn. Uh, that, was, that was basically, yes. Okay. And so 
you were you, she was doing it for them were you helping her get new customers yeah i was i was helping with that uh, so noemi was focusing on social media analytics uh, all these things and i was more focused on content seo and e-commerce so i was basically helping other customers uh, you know smaller brands uh, who were just you know kind of getting started with e-commerce uh, shopify was not as big as it is today they were already very successful of course but uh, you know it was it was still a bit more complicated to set up a shop. And so, you know, we were helping them with, with that and we were helping them drive their first sales. And that's basically how we got started with the agency. All right. And that's where you discover the problem. What was the yes. problem as you experienced it? Describe like a typical interaction. Yeah. So the thing is, you know, so Noemi was preparing the content for all the clients. And the thing is, all clients needed their content every month. And usually the process was happening at the same time of the month. So she had some kind of rush time, you know, around like the the, the, the end of each month, preparing the content for the following months where she had to create a spreadsheet for each client. And then she had to come up with, you know, 10 or 20 ideas for each client. And then, you know, just list them in the spreadsheet with the date and the time and the copy and the image or the video. And then she would have to take the spreadsheet it, send it to the, to the customer, to the client over email, uh, kind of praying that they will be responding and giving, uh, if not approval, at least some kind of, of feedback so that once we got you know, um, the, the, the feedback from the client, we were able to copy and paste everything into either you know, like a scheduler, like Hootsuite and Buffer, or uh, directly on, on, on social media, like Facebook. And all of that was just time-consuming, repetitive, error-prone, and it was just a big waste of time. And it was common to all our clients. And even when we uh, came here to the US and opened our own agency here as well, we had the same issue. And so that was just something that was just a big part of what we were doing. How did you get people to develop this? Uh, I built it. I built the first version. Uh, I'm not an engineer. I just learned everything on my own. And I wrote the first line of code. It was back in August, 2015. And by the end of that year, we had a prototype up and running. We started using it with our clients. We how, did, did not... how did you start? Uh, I'll get to what you're about to say, but how did you learn to code it up so fast? Uh, well, you know, I've, I I was familiar with with you know basic HTML and CSS and, and a little bit of JavaScript, like, you know, I had I had learned that like a long time ago, and I was very interested in a framework called Ruby on Rails, mm -hmm. which is just amazing because it helps you build applications super fast. And so I just, you know, I, I had been dabbling with it for a long time, and I, I had not really built anything usable or anything, you know, like that, like an actual product. And so when I had that problem of how do we just streamline the process of managing editorial calendars. And I had kind of this opportunity, you know, where I could use Ruby on Rails and, and now I was able to apply the knowledge to an actual problem. Then, you know, that kind of uh, created the magic and that's how I came up with a prototype. All right. You were about to say, did you tell them, if did you tell your clients that you're using your new software? Yeah, well, that's what we told them. And you did say uh, you were, oh, did you say, but from what I understand, you you told me you're using new software, but you didn't say you created it because exactly. Yeah, we didn't want them to say, "Hey, good job, guys," and just you know give them a, a pat in the back just because they knew us. We wanted to get some kind of you know we just really wanted to know if what we had created was helping, 
And, and it looks like it was because, you know, we have one client who basically said that he would fire us as an agency if he had to go back to using the spreadsheets. Because so, what, did it, what did it have in it? What was it able to do? It was probably the, the simplest CRUD application that you can imagine. Uh, you could basically just, you know, create a post, upload an image or a video, type in some copy. It would generate a uh, mockup of the post uh, showing you what it would look like on Facebook and Twitter, for instance. And then you would have a page and a URL that you would be able to send to anyone in your team for review. And then they would be able to, uh, you know, just like approve the post or require an edit and, and, and leave a comment. And that was it. There was no publishing, no analytics, no asset management. It didn't even nothing. do the stuff that Buffer did of just no. teeing it up. It was just, I send it to you. You see what it's going to look like on the site. You come back to me. Got it. And before that, she would do what? She would know him. You would, would type do all it up. of that with spreadsheets. So it was just a waste of time because and in the spreadsheet, she would say, this is what your post is going to look like. Can I send it out? Well, she was just basically, you know, you would have a column with the date and as a column with the time and as a column with the image and as a column with uh, the copy and then as a column for comments and oh, wow. the client would have to figure it out uh, by themselves. It was either that or the fancy version of that was actually creating a PowerPoint presentation with mockups inside of that, but yeah. that was even more time consuming. So that was not great because it was not even giving a good representation of the content to the client, it was not really doing a favor or, or, or you know, or be grateful to, to Noemi's work. And so that's also why we did that. All right. I want to talk about my first sponsor. You might've been noticing that there are a lot of people who are now selling access to their newsletters, right? They write a, a weekly yes. or monthly newsletter, and then some of, or maybe it's more than a monthly, but they write a, a, a newsletter. And occasionally they also have four paid members only content. A lot of the software that's being used for that is more like a service that locks you into their platform. The beauty of my sponsor, Memberful, is you don't need that. You could just use your email software as it is. You can set up payment with them and you could sell it. And guess what? If you decide, you know what? I don't just want email. It turns out people sign up for the email, but what they really need is community. Great. Memberful will let you add that too. Maybe what you need is also a video. Great. Memberful will let you add that too. Basically, if you want to sell to your audience, if you're already a content creator, even if you're really small, your best source of revenue is going to come by selling good stuff to your audience. And if you need to do that, Memberful is there for you. You'll own the relationship with your audience. You won't have to spend a big percentage and you'll have all these tools available to you. You're nodding. Can you say, yes, Andrew, I love it. Hallelujah. I think it's amazing. Uh, we you. are very interested in the creator economy uh, at Loomly and, and we think that you know any tool that empowers creators to generate revenue and, and, you know, kind of just like have their own freedom to just create. We think it's amazing. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the you know, we've, we are hearing from, from other companies that maybe I don't want to mention, but, you know, we, we are talking about entering uh, the, the second renaissance of, of, of the creator yes. economy. And that's just amazing. And, and, and that it's the end of the starving artist. I love that image and I think it's just amazing. And it's really cool that you're working with a sponsor who is and, and you know helping that. I, I agree. And you know what? And advertising, which is the first the first big step, step. And you know, these like sponsored posts, sponsored tweets, whatever, all that is going to stay. It's great. It's fine. I'm not saying get rid of it, but your audience wants to buy directly from you. Give them something that they could buy. Listen to me, people. 
I could talk all day. I'm going to tell you, just go sign up. Go sign up at memberful.com slash Mixergy. They were acquired by Patreon, a company that you know that treats creators well. And now all that software goodness is available to you right now. Try it for free if you go to memberful.com slash Mixergy. And you know what? If you're someone who just wants to learn how to do it, let them give you a demo. Look at their demo process. They'll walk you through how to do this. All right, I love it. Memberful.com slash Mixergy. How long did you spend um, talk, uh, selling this to your, or using this, excuse me, with your existing clients before you said, let's look for outside customers? About two months. Uh, it was, it was, you know, it was so transformative for us. It was just, you know, overnight, it just cut in half the time that Noemi was spending on the process. And so, uh, you know, we, like I said, we had something up and running by the end of 2015. And so in February, 2016, we opened it up in public beta and, you know, that was uh, when we kind of really realized that there was some interest for what we were doing, because like you said, it was a very, very simple application, really bare-bone. And despite that, we had the first users who were saying, I've been looking for that for 10 years. I've been looking for like, I've tried 10 different software. I don't understand why it doesn't exist. And we were in the same boat. We didn't understand why it didn't exist. So we built it. So... I didn't know that you existed. Who found out that you guys launched? Well, Noemi, you know, she she, uh, she was a social media manager. She was uh, very engaged in all the online communities about social media. Again, it, it was, you know, a long time ago, so things were a bit different. And so she was part of Facebook groups and LinkedIn groups where, you know, social media managers were sharing tips and tricks and new tools they were using and stuff. And so, ah. well, she said, hey, I'm creating a tool for social media managers. Do you guys want to give it a try? And do you want to give us some feedback? And at that time, it was starting at $12 per month and there was like a two months free trial. So it was really kind of, you know, low, uh, low risk for anyone. And that's how we started having a lot of feedback, which just, you know, helped us tremendously. What was the feedback after people started using it? What did you learn that you didn't know by yourself? Well, Actually, it just it just depends how on how how much time we have because uh, basically, you know, getting the feedback is something that we are obsessed about, and this is something that we have scaled up until today. And so, there is not just one thing; it's just everything. It's it's like you know, the image that I like to have is it's like an impressionist painting. Each touch of paint maybe doesn't mean a lot. But then you take you take a step back and you see the entire picture and it's crystal clear. And that's exactly how we see customer feedback. It was all those little touches that you know maybe taken separately. They were you know they may seem like they didn't matter, but then once we acted on all of them, we kind of reshaped the product. And so there were things like, hey, add this feature, please. Maybe you know like well, add scheduling or publishing. And so. The funny story is that to add publishing at that time, we didn't build it in-house. We partnered with Buffer and we integrated with them. And, and that's how we offered publishing to our People customers. People needed to have a Buffer account. And what you did was yeah. through their APIs, you were sending... Ah, yes. You know what? That makes sense because Buffer... Um, well, because Buffer was just focused on this one thing and it was being used by your clients anyway. Exactly. And what we were doing was not, uh, you know, a competi- was not competing with Buffer because Buffer was... The publisher, they were, you know, they would take existing content and it would publish it to social media. We were the brick that happened before that in the process where we yeah. actually helped teams create the content from scratch and make it ready for publishing. So it just made sense to do it that way. Did they help you get more customers? 
No, not really. It was just a basic integration. They had an open API and that's how we built it. They weren't promoting you or anything or emailing their own. No, no, none no. of that. It's just, it's just funny because now we could be considered competitors. And so you it's are. Just funny. It's funny that at some point we were just integrated. You know, you are competitors to some degree, right? They, they don't have as many features as you do, but I think they work with more platforms than you, right? And they're focused just on the publishing schedule. And I, I don't know if they work with more platforms than we do because we, we cover some that, you know, are not very uh, widespread in the scheduling industry, like Google My Business and YouTube and even Snapchat mm. and TikTok. But, you know, Buffer is a great platform. It's a great tool. We honestly, we think they're great. Uh, and they've been around for more time than we have. And so we have a lot of respect for what they've built. I you're smiling as we're talking, like, what, what are you holding back on it? I actually don't feel like there's any competition. I mean, you're not aggressively promoting against them, but I was using SEMrush to just get a sense of where your traffic is going. One of the top pages on your site is Hootsuite Alternative. So you're clearly like for people who are in that space, you're trying to say, we, we're here for you. Yes, we are. But, you know, I think, you know, Hootsuite, maybe they do the same. I, I don't know. I cannot speak for them. But also, you know, I think that Hootsuite, they, they are uh, focusing on larger and larger customers now. They are changing their pricing in this direction. So, you know, I, again, I, I don't think we are directly competing. I think we are complementary in terms of uh, the segments that we cover. All right. So you're telling me that the first people that Noemi went after were people who are social media managers like her. But you told our producer, you know what, in time we discovered our audience is different. What was the difference? So when we started, again, because we were solving our own problem, right? And so we were an agency. Noemi had been a freelancer before and we had clients. So we knew there were people inside brands, inside organizations who also needed that kind of tool. So at first, you know, we thought, okay, Basically, our target audience is social media managers, and they can be freelancers, they can be in an agency, or they can be working for a brand in-house. That was it. And then, you know, as as we just started, you know, growing and getting more users and, and having people who just found us that we were not targeting, uh, where we realized that they were much, you know, many more people than, than that who were interested in doing what, what, in using what we were building. And so uh, there were, you know, SMBs who were just, you know, like even sometimes very, very small businesses and even sometimes just, you know, uh, like, like solopreneurs who needed what we were doing. There were also nonprofits. There were government agencies, pretty much anyone who needed to just create content approve it and distribute it, which is basically everyone. Why would a solopreneur need to approve content? Well, at first we, you know, at first we were uh, not only focusing on teams, we were also helping uh, solopreneurs and it was helpful for them to see what content was going to look like before publishing it. Because sometimes, you know, you want to create a tweet and at that time you had only 140 characters and you're like, oh, okay, I see. But, you know, it would be helpful to see how it's going to jive with the image or something like that. And so even, you know, if you are kind of self-approving, it's just helpful to preview before you publish. You know what? I have that frustration with Twitter to this day. I want to publish, I want to just post a photo with a little bit of text freaking thing will sometimes cut off the important part of the, the the photo. And there's no way to see it because when you go to the site to upload a photo, what they show you is your photo in a square or something um, like not, not representative of what it's going to look like on their site. 
Yeah, well, that's you know that's one of the things that we try to help with, where we try to be as close as we can to what the content is going to look like, so that you don't have surprises. Uh, that's one of the things that we help with. Other things is also you know it helps to preview the content sometimes to prevent typos or saying something you're going to regret later or something like that. So there are you know, social media is all about saying stuff you regret. That's how that's how you get far. <laughs> You ever I, regret anything? Was, yeah. I, I have not said anything that I regret on social media and I've also not had any haters. So you I feel like I'm not fully good. participating. <laughs> have you? I don't think so. You know, we try to, to be good and we try to listen and, and sometimes mm-hmm. you, you have trolls, but it's just I part of the game. I did have the one bad thing that happened was someone very aggressively posted my cell phone number. So I used to be very open about it to all these different places and they used like a very ethnic name. And then they went to like payday loan places. It was a very racist thing to have done. And then they slammed my phone number through it. And as a result, it was just constant phone calls on that, on that cell phone. I still get phone calls on it to this day. You didn't change your phone number? Years and years. I can't because it's like the two factor authentication on stuff (laughs) and all that other pain. It's such a, such a nightmare. And I've seen I've seen DJs like pranking each other, doing some kind of things, but yeah. I didn't know it was it was a thing that you know spammers would do. No, if, if you're angry at someone, what you do is you take their phone number and you just post it on a bunch of different contests and a bunch of different payday loans, and then that's it. The person's got to put up with this forever. Oh. Uh, Sorry about that. <laughs> that, but you know what? As things go, that's actually pretty damn good. I I've been spared, luckily. What, was there a major feature that helped you bring in even more customers, like make a dramatic improvement? Um, well, you know, indeed, what, what was interesting is, so we had this beautiful platform that was helping you create the content. And so what, you know, then we had customers who were super happy with the content they had created and they were like, okay, now how do I publish it? And so indeed at that point, it, it you know, it, it, it was game changer to add publishing features. Um in-house and natively and so yeah that helped because it that is what kind of you know led us to being in the publishing game and not only in the project management game and and today what we see is that Lumni is really what what makes Lumni great is that we have those two components first you create then you publish makes sense the editing features how how robust were they in the beginning the ones that were allowing people to design are we talking about like competing with canva um Oh, no, I wouldn't say so. Canva is in a league of their own. They are terrific. They're a great app as well. And so, you know, for a long time, we didn't even have the editing features. What we had was we were just allowing you to upload an image or, you know, a video and and add the copy, and then it would generate the mocap for you. But that was kind of static. Um, we, we added an editor, I would say, in 2019. And so um, you can, you know, add filters, you can crop, and we help you with the uh, most popular crop ratios uh, for social media. And then you can add text and, and effects and things like that. So, uh, you know, I think Canvas again is a terrific uh, application, but you know we have we have users who use Canvas and then they just uh, um, use the, the 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 assets that they create in Canvas in Lumly. All right, second sponsor, HostGator. Usually, my HostGator ads because they host websites. I ask my guest if you could start today. Imagine you know me, you're coming back from your travel around the world. You need a new business. What would that business be? That's uh that's a good question. So well, you know we've like in the past it was funny. We started the the candy business, the candy business kind of led to starting the agency and mm. then the agency uh, led to creating Loomly. So 
I mean, if we follow that logic, probably we would launch something to help with SaaS businesses. <laughs> That's probably what we would do. Because that might lead to something which might lead to something else. You're saying, look, just start by creating something and then yep. follow the need. Exactly. Yeah, it's the, it's the, the domino effect or the, mm -hmm. the butterfly effect, however you want to call it. It's just, you know, when you start something, you don't know where it's going to take you. And also, once you start doing things, actually doing things with your hands, then you run into issues. Uh, and so either you find a solution to fix those issues or, well, you build it. All right. That's why I like consulting businesses. You do the work for other people. You feel the problem. And then you say, there's got to be a way to solve this problem or to automate this so that we don't have to keep exactly. doing it. All right. If you need to start an auto, if you need to start a, uh, a consulting business, you need a website. Here's the thing. If you go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy, they'll let you host your site quickly, inexpensively, and dependably. And frankly, if you're not happy with it, you take your site, you go to somebody else. These aren't people who have lock-in. They have really good open source software that will allow you to host your site right. I happen to use WordPress and have for years, and I've been using HostGator for years, and I recommend them too. If you use my URL, they'll give you a low price, and I'd love to hear about what you do with it. Here's the URL to get that price. It's hostgator.com slash Mixergy. And of course, if you want to give me feedback about your experience with HostGator or show off what you've done with it, my email address is andrew at mixergy.com. And I always want to hear from you. You're, you told our producer, by the way, Thibaut, you're obsessed with customer feedback. What are you doing for customer feedback today? How do you express that? Um, well, we speak with over 250 customers every single day. Uh, we can speak with them on the chat on our website or over email or on social media, of course. And so, well, basically, first, of course, we try to solve their problems uh, and we hope they don't have too many problems. But, you know, beyond that, we just uh, collect their feedback and, and we just treat feedback as just, you know, uh, as gold because that's what it is. And so when they tell us, hey, uh, I don't understand where I can find this or that, we understand that maybe there is a problem with the UI or the UX. Uh, when they say, hey, I would really like to be able to do that, we understand that we miss a feature. And when they say, hey, I'm trying to do that, it's not working, we know we have a bug. And so these three things are uh, the elements that make the structure of the roadmap. And we prioritize everything based on the number of requests that we get for a specific uh, feature or bug. And that has been helping us tremendously to get where we are today. How do you prioritize? Well, based on the number of requests. Uh, oh, so, you just know, straight up number of requests? Yeah. So we have like, a, you know, uh, we have actually a spreadsheet, which is ironic. You, I'm sure you'll give it to me. Uh, so we have a spreadsheet. And so, you know, we have a list of all the requests. And so depending on, on how often they, uh, they are requested and, you know, they are sorted. And then whenever we are working on the next quarterly roadmap, then we say, okay, here is like, you know, what is the most frequently requested and we just tackle it first. What was your first hire? I'm guessing a developer. Or uh, you want to stay close to yeah. it yourself? No, no, it was it was an engineer, uh, and then the second hire as well, and then the third hire was a customer success uh, manager. What what network do you see as the top network right now? Is it Instagram for brands? Uh, yeah, so you know, Instagram is 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 of course like the the big leader. It's where uh, a lot of the action happens, uh, and it's it's amazing, and it's, it's it it keeps growing so fast. Although it's already so big, so it's it's just it's just impressive. What's number two, uh, LinkedIn. 
Yeah. So what's interesting is to me, there are three platforms that I find really, really interesting. Uh, yes, LinkedIn is one of the three uh, because it's terrific for B2B. And, and, and when we say B2B, it's just more the professional part of your life. Uh, and it's helpful for, uh, you know, maybe you want to advance your career, maybe you need to hire talents, or maybe you just, you know, want to reach out to B2B prospects. And so LinkedIn is just amazing. And we see that the rich is terrific. We see more and more of those posts that, you know, go viral. And I just think it's amazing. Another one that I love and that I think is in a way is, is, is and it, it feels weird to say that, but in a way to me is underrated is YouTube. And YouTube is just terrific because when you see the audience, the engagement, uh, it's just, it's, it's incredible. And, and you see, Many content creators, they maybe they take one year or two years to reach one million subscribers. And then all of a sudden, three months later, there are three or four or five million subscribers. It's just insane. When I see that happen, you can see when someone's on a roll, when they're just committing to yeah. publishing on a regular basis, publishing the same thing, and you can see them just obsess and improve. It's so fun to watch them grow. It's amazing. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really fascinated by that. Um, and, and of course, plays in that space. Number three, and for, for your customers is, is YouTube. Uh, I mean, Loomly is integrated with YouTube. Uh, and so, yes, we allow them to, we allow our customers and our users to publish videos to YouTube. And mm-hmm. yes, there was a lot of demand for that because there are not that many publishers that, and schedulers actually that support YouTube. Uh, so that's the second one. And the third one is of course, TikTok, you know, how can you, how can you not talk about TikTok? It's, it's, it's insane. The growth that we are seeing there as well. And I think it's interesting because, you know, they brought a fresh type of content and, and what we hear now is that, uh, they are not only competing with social networks; they are actually competing with, uh, you know, streaming services. And and you you hear mm-hmm. companies like Netflix saying, "Yes, our biggest competitor is TikTok." So I think it's it's fascinating to see what's happening and 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 also how it fits it into in, how it fit into the the pandemic. Does Loomly allow people to publish directly into TikTok? I know you so, just had the Instagram in- integration, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so on, on Instagram you can publish uh, natively on TikTok. You still have to receive a reminder because there is at this time there is not yet uh, an API for for that. But even with that, it's just it's one of the fastest growing uh, networks that we support. Do you think that YouTube is going to you know how they are now going into standard posts? Do you think that that's going to be a big thing for them? Like beyond video, will they become the place where you have TikTok style video, which they're making a play for and almost Instagram style images, which it's not really. And they even well. do the shorts, right? So the shorts are like TikTok videos. They are That's what pitch. I meant. Yeah. Did they, okay, did they cool. call it shorts? They were trying shorts. They were trying stories. They're, they're experimenting yeah. with these short form things. It seems like shorts yeah. is caught on. So they have shorts, but they also have what they call community, uh, yes. you know, posts where you can basically post a photo. So. I don't know. I can be wrong, you know, and I, and, and I don't have like a crystal ball, but the way I see it is the videos, like the actual high quality videos that you see that, you know, creators post every yeah. week or every month, this, you know, remains the blood of the platform. It's, it's just, you know, the, the core aspect of the platform and it's probably why you come to the platform as, as an audience member. Those, um, you know, the shorts and, and the, the community photos, what what I find them helpful for is kind of you know like spring spring 
how do you say sprinkles? Sprinkle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sprinkle. And 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 it's helpful because you know it kind of maybe in between two videos you have the creator who shows something behind from behind the scenes yeah. or gives an update because they are not going to be able to publish this right. week or something like that. And I think it it gives like a human touch that kind of contrasts very well with the high production value of yeah. most videos these days. So I think it's, it's interesting. I don't think it's going to displace the audience or replace the core content, but I think it's a very nice addition. It does make so much more sense than say YouTube music, which I don't fully get. It makes sense. It makes sense, but. Well, have you seen how many views there are on the, on, on the, the clip uh, videos? It's insane. Oh no, it is. It, I also find that a lot of them are, um, are like clips of someone else's videos, you know, it's, they're, they're yes. not yet cr- getting original content the way that TikTok is. Um, but the community stuff with their posts, that's awesome to see someone that you're waiting for another post from saying, here's what I'm thinking of, or I just bought this. We're going to make a video about it soon. That's, that's kind of interesting. Um, I think you're right. YouTube is such a fascinating, um, platform. You know, the one that is disappointing is Pinterest. I thought that one would end up really taking over. I don't know. Well, a, it is a big segment it, of the market. Huge. Is it big for you guys? It is. It and is. and I think, you know, so it's it's funny you mentioned that because we actually published an article on our blog um very recently and we were kind of calling them a black horse in the sense that they don't make that much noise, but they are winning big and they, they are like they are huge for e-commerce. Uh, they have very interesting features like shopping lists and and rich pins where basically you can sync up your e-commerce store, the catalog from your e-commerce store. And then on your pins, you will have dynamic pricing, for instance. So whenever you change the price on your Shopify product page, then it will be reflected automatically on Pinterest. And you know, they're, they are just great for e-commerce. Uh, they are the window shopping platform by excellence and they are just, they, they are, they are huge. Um, and they saw a lot of growth, uh, during, I didn't realize it. Yeah. Look during, at this during COVID. Look at this year. I've got the chart up on your screen. So I've got the numbers growth of monthly active users of selected social media platforms worldwide from 2019 to 2021. TikTok, of course, number one, 38%, but number two, it's, it's not Reddit. It's not Instagram. It's freaking Pinterest. 38% for TikTok, 32 for Pinterest. I had no idea. It is amazing. Yes, it is. It's big. You know where I I find that they're really big? Their SEO is just off the charts, right? It is. If you look for like a printable for your kid, printable maids, it's going to be on Pinterest and then it's going to lead you to their app. If There's certain things that they just rock at. And you can actually find uh, case studies about that because they are just amazing. And one of the things that I just you know, keep in mind is one of the ways they have been winning at that is because they basically localized the content. So for instance, if, you know, they, they have been able to use uh, local domain names for each country, so for instance, you know, Pinterest.de for Germany and mm-hmm. .fr for France and stuff like that. And this has helped tremendously. They are a case study for gross hacking for this specific reason. In growth hacking for search engine optimization, largely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Huh. The one that I'm really rooting for is uh, it's BitClout. Do you know BitClout? Not, not that much. It is. It's it's just like a few weeks old, but you can see that a lot of the 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 um, check them out BitClout.com. It looks when you go to the site kind of like Twitter, 
but every single person has a coin automatically. Oh yeah, them, right? yeah, exactly. And and yeah, there was like Elon Musk, and they haven't even like you know. Elon Musk permission. isn't even on the platform. They didn't it's ask amazing. permission, but they have the coin. Yeah. I think that's fine. A lot of people now we're noticing are claiming their coin and saying, "Hey, you know what? I've got a coin on this platform. Let's just go and do it." <laughs> and what's interesting is there's a price on everyone's head, and then. At first, it's like you're betting on people the way you're betting for sports cards. It doesn't seem that interesting. Eventually, what I'm noticing happen is people say, if you own a certain amount of my coin, you get access to calls with me or access to my community or access to my content, right? And it then gives people a reason to invest in your coin. And in addition, if you're communicating well. If you're really being active on the platform, people will start to find you and then buy your coin and then that goes up. And so you're going to make money from this coin that goes up as opposed to hoping that you can get some advertising. It's an interesting, but very, very small community so far. It is. Uh, I think it's amazing. And it's, you know, we are talking a lot about the NFTs and many of the things that, you know, and the decentralized finance and stuff like that. And I think in the creator economy, and I think that this is kind of like blending everything together and, and, and coming up with a new business model and new revenue streams for creators and individuals. I just think it's amazing. It really is. All right. The website is loomly.com. I like the domain. You guys had to pay a lot of money for it. Uh, not that much, but uh, we, we also have the funny story is we also have loom.ly for our URL shortener. So that's you know, kind of also how much did how you pay for Loomly? Uh, honestly, I don't know. Okay. I don't remember. Yeah, it, it feels to me like it's about 10K. Maybe, maybe but, but actually, I, I'm wondering if we actually, maybe Loomly, did we get it firsthand or was it secondhand? Wow. I honestly don't remember. Okay. Great domain, easy to spell. And as a terrible speller, I especially appreciate it. Thanks for being on here. And I want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first, if you're hosting a website, you've heard me just rip through those ads talking way too fast, but the site, the software, the hosting just works. Go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. And number two, when you're ready to actually start, not just making money from advertising, which is nice. Look, I'm doing it right now myself, but also by selling directly to your audience. If you've got content and you want to start monetizing it, go to memberful.com slash Mixergy. Great platform. All right, Tebow, thanks so much for being on here, man. Thanks for having me, Andrew. It was a pleasure. You bet. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>